When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Final Furlong Podcast with Emma Kennedy is proudly brought to you by Tote. Get a 10% boost on your winnings on all horse racing markets exclusively on tote.co.uk or tote.ie. I am delighted to say that we are joined by one of the superstars of racing, man who has won over £5.8 million in the last five years in Britain. If only he could keep all of that money for himself. It is the fantastic Nico de Boinville joining us on the Final Forum podcast. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you very much for having me on. And that was a very uh, kind few words you said. But yeah, no, just happy to be here and um, enjoying being enjoying my summer. The retirement of, of Altior is a huge moment in racing. And how difficult a decision was it to say it's time to retire? Um, look, it was always going to be a very hard decision, but it was an inevitable one. Um, and it was going to have to happen at some stage. Um, but it all came down, you know, between a discussion between the, his owners, the Pews, um, and the governor and um, where we felt, you know, what, what was, when was the right time? And for him to go out when he was, you know, somewhere still near the top and he was healthy, he was fit. And, um, but at the same time, he's an 11 year old rising 12 and he's not getting any younger. And, I, you know, I, I think it was, it was probably beginning to show as well. Um, so, so as you said, like, where, do, where would you be going this year? I think that was the question. And um, I think um, Patricia and Christopher Pugh decided that it's best to be going out at the top. Um, and, yeah, that's where we ended up. And, you know, I, I feel looking back now, you know, it was probably the correct decision. I, I think so. And I think that, that seems to be the general reaction on, on social media and, and amongst racing fans as well. Um, for you, Nico... Uh, what's your fondest memory of Altior? Uh, God, there there are so many. It's it's really hard to pick out any one. Um, you know, from from the first day that I sat on him, you know, he's always stood out, um, and he's always um, sparkled in the yard. And you know, it was just one of those where you just strap yourself in and enjoy the ride um, because it was a phenomenal ride as well. Um, and of course by High Chaparral, who was a Derby winner and um, a phenomenal racehorse himself. So uh, we've often spoken to Patrick Mullins and um, David, David Mullins and Danny Mullins and 
that be comments mm. about like oh these dirty flat rats uh and yet these um these uh, horses who are, are by uh superb flat stallions um turn out to be uh, some of them can turn out to be incredibly important horses over jumps and of course Istabrak is the one who stands out the most by saddler as well as and um it was uh, he, you know, he became a horse that was an absolute legend. John Durkins spotted something, was very confident that he would become a champion, and unfortunately, John never got the chance to to train him. But there's a race running his his memory every year in Ireland, and uh, and Isterbrack is is remember remembered for the legend that he is. Um, you were on board this horse for all four of his Cheltenham victories, and when you Consider the fact that as a novice hurdler, he wins the Supreme and wins it well because the Irish banker was Min. You know, we, we were all over Min. And you'll, you'll, remember, you'll remember there was talk of people who had him at massive prices and they knew, they knew from France. Uh, and you thrashed him. And um, you then uh, went chasing and... Um, the, the decision to go chasing, I'd say, was that always in in the plan for for him? Because he genuinely looked like a horse who could be a champion hurdler. Very much so. Um, I mean, after he won his Supreme uh, that time, you know, so impressively, we just decided before we put him away, we were just going to go and jump our row of five fences and see what happened. Um, and, you know, the boss told me to go nice and steady and not to, you know, do anything stupid. And anyway, he just <laughs> took to it straight away. And I promise you, I was, you know, going as steady as I could, but he just loved it. Um, so then we're thinking going into the summer, right, that gives us options and it's always nice to have them. Mm-hmm. Um, but you are right. He could have gone down the hurdle route. Um, but then as it, as it was, he summered at, um, with the Vigases who, you know, have fantastic grass and look after these horses incredibly well over the summer. And he came back in, in the 1st of August that year, and he had grown, you know, a hand and a bit and filled out. Um, so at that stage, you know, the decision is slightly taken out of your hands and, um, it was down the chasing route we went. And you never look back. I mean, he ends up setting a record of a world record of, 19 consecutive wins. Um, his Arkle win was a bit special. Um, there might have been a, a little bit of a nervous moment coming down to the to the last, but it was definitely um, a special moment. But his, champ- his first champion chase win, like the champion chase, there's something about that race and there's something about champion chasers as well that endear them to the public and endear them to racing fans uh, a little bit more. And when he took that race, that must have been something of, of great pride for you. Uh, hugely. Um, you know, riding around the old course over two miles, it is fast, frenetic, and there's, there's no room for error. You know, if you, if you make one mistake, that's it. You're, you're out and you're done. And, you know, kiss goodbye to anything really. Um, and riding these these two mile chases around there is it's it's quite a thrill. Um, coming down the hill, particularly if you've still got 
you know, a double handful. Um, you know, going back to the Arkle win, I was following Charbel. Mm. And you, you wing round that bend. And, you know, quite often horses are taken off their feet at the second last there. Um, but no, I mean, in those in those top class races, it's it's something else. And when you've got a a partnership, you know, with a, a good horse such as Altior underneath you, it's it's extra special. And there's then questions about, you know, what do you do next? So he went to um, Sandown and uh, he beat Special Tiara, who, of course, is a bit of a, a legend of a horse. Um, he had to have wind surgery. So he, he missed a bit of time, uh, missed a, a good bit of the season, and people were, were panicking. But out he comes and beats Politolog comfortably and uh, again faces his old foe, Min. And I was, I was there at Cheltenham in, in 2018, and um, I was actually working for TalkSport. And the atmosphere when you came up the hill, um, I think particularly when you, when you started to challenge uh, at the second last and all of a sudden you just forged clear the roar from the crowd was really something special um, and again that moment you know th- th- those those roars from the crowd um, it's it's that that kind of sets Cheltenham apart from everything else and when a horse like him is is doing what he does, thrashing a horse like Min by seven lengths, that's pretty damn special. Uh, he takes a Tinkle Creek the next season. Um, you win the uh, the the Desert Orchid um, and uh, just the nineteen lengths uh, there. Uh, nice little prep at, at, at Ascot, beating Fox Norton. And he's then an odds-on favourite to go and win the champion chase. And this is sort of the the thing about um, Altior, is that when you're such a, a short price favourite for a race like that, particularly at the Cheltenham Festival, um, Nico, what kind of pressure is on your shoulders, uh, particularly when you're racing on different ground and you know it's so, it's it's soft ground. I remember that being there on on the Monday, and there was a panic that Cheltenham actually might get called off and might get cancelled, uh, and that was that was genuine. Uh, we were sinking into the ground, uh, and they did remarkable work uh, to get the the meeting going. Um, but afterwards, people were kind of humming and hawing about you know beating Politolog by one and three quarter lengths when in actual fact I was interviewing Mick Fitzgerald on ITV and he turned to me and said when I asked him for his assessment of the race he said that was uh, a brilliant performance I think he needs further and I think he's the best horse I've ever seen and I, I made him say that again because I said hold on a second you, you've worked for Nicky Henderson for years You've seen Sprinter Sacra. You rode Cotto Star. And you're labeling Altior as the best. And he says that he is the best racehorse I've ever seen. And was that the kind of feeling that you got with him as well? Um, I'm certainly, I mean, he's bang up there with, you know, everything we've seen. Um, and, you know, referring back to what you were saying about Cheltenham and riding an odds on favorite round there and, and, 
it winning because they don't always win. No. You know, it's a hard place to win around there. Um, and have to... The special, special thing about Cheltenham is that the crowds are, are huge and vast, but they are right on top of you. Um, and it enables, you know, people to get as close to the action and to the horses as is, is humanly possible, I think. And uh, I think I think that's probably why we all love the place. Um, and it's, it's high drama. Um, but, I mean, he, he was... He was exceptional, I, you know, and I think, you know, at two miles, he, he was he was comfortable. Um, but, you know, if if perhaps if the if the champion chase was run on the new course, I think you would have seen him, you know, win by further and wider margins. But ultimately with him, it was about getting the wins. And um, sometimes it wasn't just about how how well he did it. You know, they can't always do it by, you know, 10 lengths hard held. No, and uh, look, this is going to sound like a strange thing to to say, but um, it does kind of refer to his cl- his class, um, because when you look at what he he does at flat tracks like Kempton and Ascot, um, to be fair, Sandown is not a flat track. There's a there's a good old climb and there's undulations, mm. and uh, he took care of Ondeso, who is a who is a monster. Uh, and he took care of him in fine style uh, in Sandown in 2018. That was a, that was a remarkable performance that day. Um, and you know the emphasis here that I'm I'm talking to you about is is Cheltenham. And the reason I'm doing that is because the Tinkle Creek is fantastic. The King George is fantastic. The the Desert Orchid is is brilliant. The um, Irish Champion Hurdle is great. Dublin Racing Festival, love it. Cheltenham is the be-all and end-all. And for you to partner this horse to win four consecutive years at the top level, grade ones each time, novice hurdle, novice chase, two champion chases. Uh, It's your third champion chase as well because this is the other remarkable thing is that Nicky had performed a miracle with, with Sprinter Sakura and got him back. And so... You partner, arguably, I think Moscow Flyer personally is the best two-mile chaser of all time, but that's probably because I have a personal connection there, um, and uh, and he's in my heart forever. But what Sprinter Sakura achieved was stunning, and particularly that day, and the the buzz from the crowd, and and Nikki's tears afterwards, and you and, and your celebration. Um, that was amazing, and then a year, you know, two years later, you're back in the winner's enclosure with this special horse, and then he goes and wins it for you again. So to have two incredible champion chasers uh, that you got to ride, that has to be the stuff of dreams. Of course it is, and um, you know it's for it to happen in your sort of mid to late 20s as well you know i was incredibly fortunate to be able to you know ride two absolute legends of our sport um and probably whilst you're um in the moment and when it's all happening you're probably not quite appreciating it um it's only when you look back on it now and just to hear you talk us through it just now it's um bringing back all these memories for me and um you look back on it and think you think wow i mean that was um that was quite a ride. Um, 
but you go back to Altior and, and his class and it was also his constitution and the, mm. the way that he hardly ever took a, a lame day and he managed to come back and back and back for all these festivals. It's hard enough to win at one festival, let alone four. Um, and that's got to be, you know, all credit to the team at Seven Barriers and the boss for, you know, getting him there and um, getting him there fit and well and healthy. Yeah, Nicky is a genius, and particularly when it comes to getting a horse ready for Cheltenham. But you need a good pilot on board as well. And uh, you played a, a hugely significant role in his career. How, how did he compare to Sprinter Sacra? Um, it's what you always get asked those questions. I might just have to write an essay comparing and <laughs> contrast Sprinter Sacra and Altior. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and, and how, how would if, he compare if I, if I decided to do if I decide to study English literature at university that might be my specialist subject and, and, and um, Nico how would he compare to Moscow Flyer as well for that matter you know, it is a kind of it is kind of a silly question and, and I do remember Ted Walsh on uh, on the old Channel 4 saying they were talking about Cotto Star and comparing him to Arkel, and he said, "Ah, that's a lot of nonsense. Two different generations. You can't be uh, making those kind of comparisons." Um, but of course, people are are, are going to ask that. Um, I, I suppose yeah. it's just the the privilege that you had of being part of these two horses and uh, steering them and and riding them to victory because you. You know, the, the trainer has done all the work and the sable staff have done all the work, but then the pressure is on you. And you mentioned the crowd and the crowd being on top of you. So th there are some jockeys that will say, oh, you don't really hear the crowd or they block it out. Um, how, how significant is that Cheltenham roar as you come around the final bend? At that stage, you're so you're so focused. It's just it's you can't really hear it yourself. I mean, you're so in the zone and you're focused coming into that second last fence. And that's all that matters, really. Um, it's not until you sort of pull up that it, the sort of noise um, hits you, you know, like a wave. Um, but it's one of those, you know, it, it, you know, one day we'll have to get um you know, Barry Geraghty is probably the key to asking, you know, who really is, you know, comparing all these horses because he's ridden, you know, Moscow Flyer and Sprinter and I've ridden Sprinter and Altior. Mm. Um, and I never rode Sprinter at his very, at the very pinnacle of his um, career. You know, I rode him at, at his sort of second coming and um, the, yeah, and he, he still gave me a fantastic feeling, but it wasn't quite the feeling that, you know, Barry Geraghty looked to have been feeling when he was you know winning hard held like truly um but don't get me wrong he still gave me some magnificent days for intersacra of course um in, in altior's case the the impossible comes along uh, so he goes and wins at sandown again of course uh long odds on favorite and um that is the, the celebration chase so uh, yet another great one um, and his 19th consecutive win. And the talk then is about possibly going for the King George. And um, Nicky started to become a bit, bit bullish about that. And so you, Nicky announced that it was going to be the Christie 1965 chase that he would be starting out in. And then Paul Nichols announced that surname 
will be starting out in that race as well. And I remember us in the media all going, who's going to blink first? Who's going to say, oh, actually, we're going to go for this race instead and not take each other on? Because normally these clashes happen in at, at Cheltenham or at Aintree or at Punchestown on, on, the, on the big stage. But neither of you blinked. You both turned up. And it was... It was a sensational race. Um, surname, controversially, was the highest rated horse in training at the time. And um, he ends up beating Altior. And it's my opinion, and I'd be very interested to hear the man who is more closely associated with the horse than anybody else, that neither horse neither Altior nor Surname were really ever the same after that race. Yeah, I mean, I think you could possibly, you know, lay claims to that. Um, it was one of those things that happened and, you know, the, the public was sort of crying out for it. And um, I don't know if we felt that we had nowhere else to go, but, you know, we had to try something and it was just, one of those things that you look back on and you think, yeah, that just didn't quite go to plan that day. Um, you know, it was, it was his first race of the season um, and he had a really good blow in that ground. And, um, you know, I knew I was, I knew I was fairly well beat, you know, turning in at that stage and, you know, surname, I looked at him down at the start and I thought, oh, he is hard, hard fit. Um, and look, it was one of those things. And, um, it was, it was just, it was just, look, it was, a, it was a shame, but, um, these things happen and, um, and that was that. And there was, there was no reason not to, not to take surname on, you know, we were, we were confident in our abilities and things like that. And, but it's only with hindsight, isn't it? And hindsight's a wonderful thing. Oh, it's fantastic. And it's very easy for me to sit here in the broadcaster's chair and say, you had a two mile chaser. Why would you go up to to two mile five? But the talk was, and and Mick had said it, like Mick Fitzgerald said it at Cheltenham that when he when you just got up to beat Politologue, that um, he needs further. And with the again with the benefit of hindsight, it probably wasn't that. It's probably just that a little bit like big bucks, he would hit a flat spot for some reason, and you would then be able to unlock the the key to him and get him, get him motoring again and, and get him going. Um, and, and he did come back at Newbury and won impressively. How frustrating for you was it that on the day um, he couldn't compete in the champion chase? It was absolutely gutting because I went into school him on the Sunday um and he was electric i thought he was absolutely buzzing i thought he'd come out of the newbury race in really good form his work had been you know back to his old self um which it hadn't been before newbury you know it was a bit sort of workmanlike and but after newbury he'd come back to you know destroying horses on the gallop um so i was you know really up for it and really looking forward to it and when i had the the phone call i just I couldn't believe it, but um, at the same time, these things happen, and um, 
you know, it's you have to be philosophical about these kind of things. Yeah. And horses aren't machines. And this is an example of that. But you're sitting in the weighing room or did you go outside to, to watch it or did you watch it in the in the jockey's room? Um, I can't remember. I might have left by then. <laughs> I might have been back home. I only live 15 minutes from the track, so I might have been back home and, you know, eating my tea <laughs> that's pretty handy to be fair yeah. pretty pretty useful but when you see the result of the champion chase and when you looked at it and it's political who wins it and you've stuffed him before um uh by the way you were you were still at the track because uh, i think you rode in the right in the juvenile handicap i think you did the the um all uh, right the boodles. well I, I put i've put it out of my head anyway and i've, I've forgotten <laughs> about that day <laughs> it's like I don't want to. That's it. It's gone, yeah. erased from the memory, and just brought like your bad, your bad school days. Yeah, yeah. It's just, just forget they even happened. Yeah. I I, I apologize for for bringing back that uh, memory that your uh, I'm sure that your therapist had done so much work uh, to get rid of, and I bring it back on on Talksport two on the final forum podcast. Apologies, mate. Um, but essentially, that that was it then. Um, for Altior, you know, he it, it was a real shame that he didn't get to compete, and that would have been his attempt for three in a row. Um, and in a way, it, it when you look back, it doesn't matter. Um, because we got to see him again this year, and uh, he, he wasn't really himself. He, he put, put cheek pieces on for the first time, um. He was back to to two miles. The, the two mile five experiment was was over, um, but now that we just look back, I think that we're we're obliged in in the media to almost be like um, football pundits. And if a manager makes a mistake, you criticize. If a manager gets it right, you give him. Huge praise. If a footballer makes a mistake, you criticize. If a footballer plays an outstanding game, you praise. Um, but sometimes special horses emerge. And Altior was absolutely a, a special horse. And you obviously knew that very early on. And the, the point that you made earlier about it's hard enough to win one race at Cheltenham to win four is phenomenal, but to win those particular four, you know, the Supreme Novices Hurdle, the Oracle, and two champion chases, um, four of the most, three of the most competitive races that you will ever see at, at Cheltenham, and uh, they're on his CV, and they're on your CV. So he, he also did an awful lot for you. So... What does he mean to you? Um, what does Altior mean to Nico de Boinville? I, I he is a, a horse of a lifetime. Um, I, I feel incredibly fortunate to have been able to be associated with him, and you know, most importantly, grateful to um, the governor and the pews, you know, to enable me to to ride him. Um, 
and you know i guess you know i can look back and i've been looking back at some of the footage you know this week and seeing you know what an incredible horse he was some of those leaps he put in you know when whilst you're doing it you don't really think twice about it but you look back on it and you think not many horses can be doing that now um but you know it's it's one of those you know he he created you know such a legacy that um you know i hope he'll be admired for a few years to come and um you know, one day my children might look at it, look back at the old footage and think, um, yeah, that was quite special. <laughs> and who knows, you may have another Altior uh, about to emerge uh, similar to the Sprinter Sacra story, uh, because that's the great thing about racing. You never know when the next superstar is going to appear. But when, you know, yeah, I, I, I thought early on that Hurricane Fly was going to be a superstar and it turned out he was. I also thought that Min was going to be a superstar. Oops. Uh, you know, racing is is that game, and it's when you get a horse like him, he really is up there. He is up there with with Cotto Star. He's up there with Moscow Flyer. He's up there with with Best Mate and um, some of the all time greats, and of course Sprinter Zacker as well. And uh, and you are a, a major part of that. And you must be delighted that his retirement is going to one of the nicest men in racing uh, and a man very heavily connected to Seven Barrows in Mick Fitzgerald. Um, I am more than delighted that that is happening. I know there's been a lot of discussion over the past sort of month as to where um where would be a suitable home for Altior because you know he's he's not an easy horse sometimes you know he really does have his own mind and he's very independent and um you know it's a case of he's he's 11 rising 12 so you'd like to think that he's halfway through his life and um you know that he still has an awful lot more to offer and um I'm just over the moon that he's going to Mick and Chloe and their family and he's going to be really well looked after and they know exactly what they're doing. And, um, you know, Mick has very kindly said that I could come up and see him whenever I wanted. And there was an open door. Um, and I'll, I'll definitely be taking him up on that offer. Yeah. Because getting to go, and then there's another example of just what a, a nice man Mick Fitzgerald is. Uh, and I'm not just saying that because he's coming on next, but, um, he's an absolute legend being able to go and, and reunite with him, whether it's just getting to see him, or getting to put the the uh, the gear on, get the the tack, and get the saddle, and and take him out for a gallop. Um, I'm sure will be will be special for you. Uh, as we wrap this up, Nico, would, would you mind just briefly explaining when you when you say he has uh, a temperament and a mind of his own? Uh, just for new listeners to the show, and there's there's a lot of new listeners, thankfully. Um, so. What do you mean by that? Um, what I mean by that is that I think you have to look at um, so many of, if you look at, at sports people, you know, throughout all sport, the ones who are at the very top, they have that certain something about them, whether it's that touch of arrogance or that flair. You know, I used to love watching Usain Bolt at the start before he raced. And there was yeah. almost no worries. I've got this. This is no problem. Um, and they they just know they're good. And he was very much the same. You know, he was he when you got on his back, he was always sort of saying to you, 
I've got this. You just leave this to me and you just enjoy the ride. <laughs> and, and so you alluded to um, the epic photographs of him making those giant leaps. Um, when a horse does that in a race, like obviously you're getting him ready to jump, but when he takes off like that early and and does produce this incredible leap what is that experience like and it, when it's not at with the greatest of respect at Fontwell in a handicap it's a grade 1 chase at the Cheltenham festival what is that experience like uh it's it's pretty incredible i mean i always i always go back to the the open ditch at sandown is is at the two mile start and i learned very early on that altior no matter what stride he was on he was coming up outside of the wing and the first time i wasn't ready for it and i nearly came out the side door on the on the landing side oh. now every single time after that uh, yeah and that would have been embarrassing um every single time after that i just had to lie onto his neck and i just knew he would come and i knew he'd get out the other side no problem and it was just a case of then just going with him trusting him and um letting him fly Letting him fly is a great way to to wrap this up as well. Um, we'll never know how many fans he has attracted to the sport, but but you can be a hundred percent certain that he has brought fans to the to the sport because uh, I remember reading a, a piece where this um, racing fan had written into the to the trade paper and. Um, he he and his he had made his friends watch the arc uh when Delacani won and you you'll remember Christoph Sumion turned around uh as they're approaching the the winning line with a good few good few yards to go and he does the the come on come get me uh my favorite my favorite jockey by the way i love him sumion Sumion is a god to me. I love him. <laughs> He's absolutely brilliant. He's the guy's a genius, and a uh, little bit like Altior, that arrogance mm. and that flair, and you know, I've got this. You know, I'm I'm the best, and I'm going to win, and I'll I'll show you. And he's he's proved mm. it at the top level. This guy wrote into the racing post and said his friends had zero interest in racing. They had no interest in it whatsoever, and immediately they were attracted to the sport when they saw Christoph Sumion do that. Um, mm. Because his friend was, the friend was explaining, this is Europe's premier race. This is, this is the, the race. Uh, and <laughs> here's a jockey doing this. Mm. Remember Paul Carberry doing it on um, Beef for Salmon. Uh, yeah. To, to Best Mate at Leopardstown. And, you know, Best Mate, obviously uh, an incredible horse. And Carberry, mm. Again, kind of that Christoph Sumion arrogance of you know I've got mm. this I'm 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 the best. Um, you can be a hundred percent certain that he has attracted fans to the sport and that fans will have grown up with him and have become engrossed in, in our sport. And and there's conversations about how do we get people engaged in racing and how do we get people to become fans of racing. It's very very simple. You put the emphasis on the jockeys, the trainers. And the horses, because that's what it's about. It's not about Little Mix playing a gig afterwards. It's about mm. racehorses. And when we're lucky enough 
to get a horse like on the on the flat, like see the stars, and you think, oh, it's going to be years before a horse like that comes along, and then Frankel's there a couple of years later, and when you get a horse like Sprinter Sacra, and you think, Oof, it'd be a long time before anything like him comes along again, and in the same stable, there's Altior. Uh, mm. It's remarkable. If there was one moment that you could get into the Back to the Future DeLorean. Doc Emmett Brown, actually, shares the same name, so as bonkers as me. Doc Brown brings you back in time. What moment would you choose with Altior? Oh, um, there are so many, but I... Riding him, I think, in the Arkle, when he was winning by that far, I think that was... See, my celebration that day, that was my bit of homage to Christoph Sumion, by the way. <laughs> oh, um, I was going to ask you that. That was it was going to be my question, um, my, my follow-up question. But by the way, did you do a bit of... Uh, so so you did. Um, uh, and obviously, Charbel, you, you said you were uh, chasing him. He was pushed along, but he was... Many people thought he was... Uh, going to be a big danger to you and he fell mm. two out and once he did that was it the race was over um yeah and uh it was just so easy and mm. i i like the fact that you're choosing the arkle as well because he's a young horse it's a novice chase and we're dreaming about cheltenham's success is he going to be the champion chaser and of course that's exactly what he goes on to do uh nico it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you on the Final Forum podcast on TalkSport 2. I genuinely appreciate your time and um, I very much appreciate everything that you did with Altior and uh, I look forward to um, Mick bringing him to the races uh, to to be shown off at the parade of superstars alongside the likes of Hurricane Fly and, and um, Hardy Eustace and, and many others. Um, an abs- an absolute superstar, a wonder horse, and um, great to talk to you about him. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for having me on, and uh, hopefully we'll see, you know, many more days of Altior at the races, and the public will get to, you know, get up close to him again and see him and see that he's enjoying his happy retirement with Mick. And, of course, it will be a happy retirement with Mick. Nico, if there is one horse that you are very much looking forward to riding this season with Nikki. Who would it be? Um, Shishkin. I had a feeling you were going to say that. He looks an <laughs> absolute monster. You see, could there be another Altior in, in Nikki Henderson's barn? Of course there could. Of course <laughs> there could. This horse is a machine. Um, William Mullins might have something to say with an argument, yeah. An argument, see French pronunciations, uh, with an argument, but that's why the, the British Irish rivalry uh, kicks in, and uh, and we'll get to see. Um, your gentleman, Nico, take care, thank you so much for your time, and um, best of luck for the new season. Thank you very much. In the Arkle, Charbel is digging in for the fight. Altior now goes through the gears. On the inside is Cloudy Dream. On the outside is Ordinary World. They take the second from home, and Charbel is down. His gallant attempt. 
crumples at the second last, and Altior is left in front. He jumps the last clear by two lengths to Cloudy Dream in second. Ordinary World is back in third. A long break to the rest. They're simply playing for places. It is Altior, last year's supreme winner. It's going to give Nicky Henderson a sixth win in the Arkle, and it is Altior who wins. In second place was Cloudy Dream in third Ordinary World and staying on in fourth was Royal Caviar. I am now delighted to be joined by another superstar on the Final Furlong podcast from Sky Sports Racing and ITV Racing, one of the greatest jockeys of his generation, Mick Fitzgerald. Welcome to the show. Ah, thank you. It's very nice to speak to you. And great to chat to you again, my friend, as well. Having you on the show, Mick, I have to start with the year that you and I were working together at the Cheltenham Festival for ITV. I was also working for TalkSport 2. That gravy train's got a flow. It happened to be the year that Altior made history by winning his fourth consecutive race at the Cheltenham Festival at grade one level, retaining his champion chase crown. And afterwards, I was doing a feature with you, and as we were assessing the day's racing... When it came to the big race, you said Altior is the best racehorse I have ever seen. I did a double take, uh, questioned you on it, and you were adamant. And there is no doubt that there are so many listeners who will agree with you. What is it about Altior that set him apart from the rest? Um, I think the number one thing was I was party to some of the schooling sessions that he did at Seven Barrels. So, you know, I saw him in his full pump. And, you know, when you see a horse do what he does in the mornings and then he's able to replicate it in the afternoon on the biggest stage that there is at the Cheltenham Festival, you know, he kind of delivered and did it a lot. You know, four years winning at the Cheltenham Festival, that takes some doing. And I think that's what made him so special, the fact that, you know, he was, he held the record for 19 consecutive wins and when you consider that during that time, there was 10 grade 1s and 5 grade 2s. So, you know, it's not like he was hot hunting, as some people like to call it. But at mm. the same time, you know, I'm not comparing him to Cordo Star or any other great horses that have been. I just want to remember him as one of the greatest that I've seen. We should just admire and appreciate the the horses that run in their own generation and, and and admire them for what they achieve and admire them for for what they do what was it about how nikki handled him that got those 19 consecutive wins because nikki just is an absolute genius when it comes to placing horses and i know that he gets criticism and Listen, sometimes that criticism comes from me about wrapping horses in, in cotton wool. But the vast majority of the time when he does it, Mick, it pays off in spades. Yeah, I think all you've got to do is, you know, look at his record in big races at the big festivals and his record at the Shelton Festival. You know, I know when I got the job with him back in 1993, that was the one thing that you know, excited me the most was the fact that he is the man for the big day. And that's the way Nicky has always operated. He has always had a plan. He's always had a plan that revolves around the big spring festivals, be it Cheltenham, Aintree, and Punchestown. You know, they are the ones that really matter to him. And they are the ones where horses' ultimate targets are every single season. And I think people latch on to that. And I think they love the fact that they got the 
a great horse like Altior every year. And I think that's where job racing's got an edge on flat racing because you can you can build a relationship with a horse because you know you're going to see them every year. It's a bit like seeing old mates every year when you go on holiday. You know, yeah. it's something you look forward to and it's something you can almost set your clock on. That's a great comparison because it's almost certain that St. Mark's Basilica is going to be retired at the end of this season. He, he may never race again. And, and so how many casual racing fans will just forget him? Whereas Altior is, is going to be there in the public mindset really for, forever. You'll, you'll never forget his, his achievements. And he's 11 rising 12, and horse welfare is, is something that has come up quite a bit uh, recently. And the brilliant news is that you are taking him in. You are... Uh, you are going to be looking after him and um, you've already said to the Racing Post that it's a privilege to have him. Uh, Nico was saying to us earlier on, and you will know this yourself from being in Seven Barrows, that he has a, a mind of his own. Um, how how difficult is it to transition a racehorse from training each day and and getting them knowing that they're going to be getting ready for the track to easing them down, letting them letting them down and letting letting them just relax and uh and try and calm them. It's a funny one really. Um I can remember Martin Pipe uh telling me when somebody said, Oh, you know, God, you know, all those horses do is go up and down that hill of yours and don't they get bored? And he said, Horses don't get bored, people do. Horses love routine. Mm. They love when you feed them at the same time every day. They love when you exercise them at the same day. They like doing, they love a routine because, you know, that's what they know. So, you know, for us, the number one thing is to get Altior to get used to his new environment, get him to enjoy it, and... He let him become part of our family. It's amazing how quickly horses adapt to their new surroundings. And, you know, he, I'm hoping he's going to fall into it and love it like all the other horses seem to. And, you know, he'll be, he'll be exercised by my wife. Um, we'll see how that goes with him, see what he likes doing, what he doesn't like doing. And between us, we'll find something that, you know, works for everybody because, we want him to enjoy his retirement. I think it's fairly safe to say that he has earned it. And, you know, the Pews, Christopher and Pat, they want to see him enjoying himself because as far as they're concerned, he owes them nothing and they owe him everything. So as far as it goes with us, we have no plans for him. There's no plans for him to do anything um, strenuous except enjoy himself, whether that's just hacking out with ponies or whether that's him doing some some low-level jumping or whatever it might be. But there is no pressure on the horse to do anything. He'll tell us what he wants to do. The only thing he's under pressure to do is show up at the old Lambourne Open Day every year. Yes. That is his only requirement, so that people can see him and enjoy him and hopefully see how well he's enjoying his retirement. Because that that Lambourne Open Day has become hugely important and, again, attracts fans to the sport. And you and your wife, Chloe, you 
you're the perfect people to look after Altior. You're the perfect people to to give him uh, a great retirement. And um, I know that he will love life with you. And um, one of the things that I wanted to ask you is, we often see the parade of champions uh, at Cheltenham, um, at the Curra for Irish Champions Weekend. We had Hardy Eustace and Hurricane Fly being paraded around. Is that something that you'll be doing with, with Altior? Um, there's no plans to do anything with him, Emmett. You know, the, the number one thing is that the horse is happy in his retirement. And if Pat, like we're, as far as I'm concerned, we're only caretakers. You know, he is still Pat and Christopher Pugh's horse. And if they would like to see him at Cheltenham parading with the champions, we're, we will be delighted to take him. So, you know, as far as that goes, you know, that's entirely up to them because, you know, one of the great things for Altior is that he's owned by two people who want what's best for him. And that's ultimately all that matters. It's just another example of what an incredibly kind and nice man you are and that you are one of the, the nicest people in, in racing. And, and horse racing is filled with incredibly kind and, and generous people, but you stand very tall uh, amongst them, Mick, and taking Altior in um, and uh, the fact that you and Chloe will, will be looking after him, but it's an open-door invitation for Nico, he was saying, to come and see him whenever he wants uh, and, and ride him out, and uh, for his owners to be able to come and, and see him as well, and, and if, if it's going to be a, a case of turn up at Cheltenham, you, you'll do that. Um, yeah. Nico was, was getting quite emotional uh, as we talked about the horse's career. For you, just... Looking back, when you look at, at this horse every morning um, and you give him a, a pat down the neck, what will be the, the memory that, that comes to you that stands out from his performances on the track? What, what's the standout moment for you? Oh, look, there's been, there's been so many like that. Uh, but I think the one, the overriding one that will always stick with me is that first win at the festival when he won that Supreme. I think that was a performance that's told everybody I'm going to be around for some time and he was absolutely and there was a lot of talk about him there was a lot because I remember he'd been beaten in a bumper at Punchestown um, but he bolted up on his hurdles debut uh, for for Nico and I think poor Nico got got injured and so he missed out on the on the ride at um, no, he did get to ride him at Sheldon. It was the he did. yeah, he rode him at Sheldon. He he also rode him at Kempton when he won, and at Chepstow when he won over Hurley. So that, that's right. So he it was only when he went it was only when he went chasing that Nicole missed out first. He was all theory. He rode him a couple of times. That's it. So, uh, so he he had gone to the. Nicky was very clever. He he took him to the old course and gave him a gave him a look at at Cheltenham and. Um, the great Irish hope was Min, and all the talk was about him. But in the UK, all the talk was about Altior. He did it. He he stood up and proved to everybody just how good he was. That was a, a stunning performance. And I was there, and I was in the betting ring, and the reaction from the crowd, and I'll be honest, I was on Min, and I could do nothing but cheer on Altior. You have to just appreciate what you've seen. And you knew you were seeing a superstar, but even though you, you're witnessing a great 
novice performance like that, you couldn't possibly imagine that he would go on to achieve what he did. Uh, a true legend of the game who retires to the home of a true legend of the game. Mick Fitzgerald, you're an absolute gentleman. Thank you so, so much for joining us. And thanks to you and Chloe for taking in Altior as well and looking after him because he couldn't be in better hands. Uh, it's very kind of you, Emmett. And, you know, rest assured to everybody out there, he'll, he'll enjoy his retirement and that's all that matters for us. Exactly. And that, that's the important thing. And you can be in no doubt that he will have a fantastic retirement. Mick Fitzgerald from ITV Racing and Sky Sports Racing. And by the way, an absolute gentleman to work alongside as well. One of the uh, best people to work alongside in broadcasting. And one of my favorite people to work with in broadcasting as well. Pleasure as always, uh, Mick Fitzgerald. And um, thank you so much to Nico de Boinville as well. What a treat to look back on the career of one of the greatest two-mile chasers we've ever seen. And what an incredible scenario when you think about it, that in a relatively short space of time, we have been treated to Sprinter Sacra, Moscow Flyer, and Altior. And there is now the potential, and we have to stress the potential, that Siskin well, he's retired to stud in Japan, hasn't he? That Shishkin could be a champion chaser as well. And Nico is looking forward to him. And Nicky Henderson is making all the right noises. But that's the great thing about the jumps, is that we get to dream. And that we get to have our opinions and have our thoughts. And the jump season is not that far and neither is the Final Furlong Podcast's first jumps preview of 2021-22. And that, of course, will be in association with our good friends at Weatherbees. Because Paul Ferguson has yet again been busily spending the summer going through all of the form, going through all of his contacts, doing countless stable tours, and getting all the information that you need for the fantastic and essential book, Jumpers to Follow, in association and published by Weatherbees and available on Bet Trends. So, in association with Tote, obviously, and with Weatherbees.co.uk and available from Bet Trends, we will have Paul Ferguson on the show next week alongside Andrew Blair White an absolute superstar on the Final Forum podcast now, uh, giving us their thoughts on the upcoming jump season, most likely through the prism of the Cheltenham Festival and with a brief look at the Grand National as well. Because you want to have an anti-post play at the Grand National. You don't really, because we should be waiting for the weights, but we gotta, we got to throw a few quid somewhere at the Grand National. Um, but the Cheltenham Festival does loom large over the season. There are so many great races throughout the entire Jumps campaign, uh, including, of course, all of the Christmas races. The Tinkle Creek in the lead-up to that at Sandown, um, the Leopardstown Christmas meeting, the King George at Kempton, Welch National at Chepstow, the New Year's Day meeting at Cheltenham, 
some incredible race meetings. The Dublin Racing Festival, Leopardstown. So many great days to look forward to. But the Cheltenham Festival does loom large over it. So we'll do it through the prism of the Cheltenham Festival. And in fact, what we'll do, before we give you the gravy, you can get the book, you can order it now if you want, or you can hold Matt Toff for a few days. Wait for the podcast to come out and wait for the final Furlong podcast, Weatherby's Gravy Train Code, where you'll get a discount on the book itself and the book and digital copy. Want to wait? Get that Gravy Train discount? I suggest you do. Final Furlong podcast will be coming with at you next week. Paul Ferguson, the author of Jumpers to Follow, an essential read with stable tours, horses to follow, and so much, so much information. It is just, it's an essential guide to the entire season. It's a must-have in your arsenal. And uh, the good folks at Weatherby's will be giving you a discount code right here on the Final Furlong Podcast as they team up with us yet again. So we're looking forward to doing that in the company of Paul Ferguson, the man himself, and of course, um, the Irish guru, Andrew Blair White. So that show is coming next week. And um, it's hard to believe that the jumps is so near, and yet that's just the way it is. And right now, if you tweet us, what novice hurdler or novice chaser you are most excited about seeing this season. And you can just tweet the name of the horse, possibly the race target that you would love to see this horse go for at Cheltenham, and make sure you include the hashtag FFPCOMP. So FFPCOMP, hashtag FFPCOMP with the name of the novice hurdler or novice chaser that you were most excited about seeing this season. And if you can, include the target. Include the race that you want to see that horse run in. Um, Do that, and we will randomly select three winners, and you will get yourself a personalized, newly designed Slick final Furlong podcast mug. We have to announce the winners, by the way, of Andrew Blair White's competition. And we have those, don't we, Twella? We do. So we'll do that on social media during the week. But um, I know you've seen the pictures of the new, the newly designed mug. It's quality. Um, we have a couple here at Final Furlong Podcast Towers, and they're they're gold. All right. Not literal gold, but they're gold. And um, there's not many of them. We're not making many of them. So they're they're very exclusive. And they're not for sale. We're not selling. We don't want to do things like that. We would rather give away than sell. Um, that's just not what we want to do. Um, despite the fact that people have asked us, can they do that? And it's very kind of you to say so, but no, we'd rather give away. So uh, the competition... The novice chaser or hurdler that you're most excited about seeing this season and the race that you would most like that horse to run in, tweet us 
at Final Furlong Pod or at Radio Emmet. But most importantly, include the hashtag FFPComp, C-O-M-P, because that way we'll be able to see it. And um, we will randomly select. We'll get Tuala to do it. We'll randomly select three winners and uh, give those away on the Weatherbees, Paul Ferguson, Jumpers to Follow, Final Furlong Podcast special, where we'll also not only be announcing the winners of the Final Forum Podcast personalized mugs, but also giving you that all-important code for a bit of gravy off the Weatherby's Jumpers to Follow Guide, written by the great and powerful Paul Ferguson, with the great and powerful Andrew Blair White here as well. Uh, still to come, Laura King and I discussing Irish Champions Weekend because I've had COVID, so I'm, I've been a mess. And... Um, I thought Tuala was uploading it, and there was a miscommunication. I also thought Tuala was promoting last weekend's podcast, <laughs> which she didn't do. And uh, thankfully, the numbers were huge. So that means you have hit the subscribe button. And uh, it means that because the numbers were massive on Apple Podcasts and they were massive on CastBox FM and Player FM and all kinds of different tune in and all kinds of different podcast apps. So a uh, huge thank you to everybody who tuned in. And um, if you're not subscribed and you go searching for it, save yourself the hassle. Just go Final Furlong Podcast on whatever podcast app it is you're using, whether it's uh, SoundCloud, CastBox, Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever it is you're using. Just type in the Final Furlong Podcast and hit that subscribe button. Um, if there's a like button, hit that as well. And uh, share on social media. That's the only thing that we ever want to ask of you. We don't want to. We don't want to ask anything else of you, other than that. Share the podcast, and um, hopefully, there'll be more gravy to come. There's definitely more gravy to come in giveaways, but uh, hopefully, lots more winners to come your way as well. Uh, so you're getting loads of podcasts this week. Loads of podcasts. The Altior Tribute, our weekend review with uh, new trainer Ben James and Kay Tracy. And uh, last weekend's review with Laura King as well. Uh, a special with All About Sunday where there's a massive competition where you could be headed to Newmarket for the Friday of Champions Day with accommodation. And if you're coming from Ireland, flights are thrown in as well. It's an insanely generous prize. And that podcast drops this week too. And of course, the weekend preview will be coming at you as well. And we'll be on TalkSport too uh, as well during the week. Uh, Wednesday through Friday, uh, Saturday as well, but Wednesday through Friday for me uh, from 1 p.m. alongside Lee McKenzie. So make sure you're tuning in for that. So we're busy. Yeah, I'm fighting off COVID still, but we're busy. And that's a good thing. Uh, stay safe. Look after yourself. I really hope you've enjoyed this trip down memory lane. We'll talk to you again very, very soon. With loads of content on the Final Furlong Podcast. Be safe. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Final Furlong Podcast. Proudly brought to you by Tote. Make sure you never miss an episode by hitting the subscribe button on your podcast app.